Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Typically, I would be sitting across from my guest at the Extension Marketing Studios or sitting across from John recording from his Blast Podcast Studios with my guest somewhere in the world. We are changing and shifting the way we work, adapting and pivoting as best as we can. And I'm back in Andy's bedroom for the recording of this podcast. Now, guests in the last two weeks have been focused on COVID-19, on our mental health, our habits, stress, anxiety, uncertainty, and the list goes on. Now, I've loved the guests. Don't get me wrong. They had great insight and information to share, but I also figured we were due for something a little lighter, a laugh, a chance to see things a little differently, change our perspective just a little bit, and maybe add some humor to help us feel alive again. Laughter sometimes is the best medicine. Jerry D mentioned now, along with names like Mike Myers, Jim Carrey, John Candy, and Dan Aykroyd as outstanding Canadian talent. Yes, Mr. D himself is joining us today. This award-winning stand-up comedian was also the star and co-creator of the CBC sitcom Mr. D for eight successful seasons, is an accomplished writer with a national best-selling book called Teaching, It's Harder Than It Looks, and is now the host of Family Feud Canada. Now, he was currently on tour when COVID hit, and so this former teacher and father of three is now back at home just like the rest of us, and we have plenty, plenty to talk about today. So, Jerry, thanks so much. I know you've gone from like one room in the house to another room in the house to be able to do something like this. Yeah, no. Well, first of all, you got to get me off that list of Mike Myers, Dan Aykroyd, John can't like, no, that, that's not that I don't belong on that list. So, but thank you. Know you what? But that's a different, that's another level of, of, uh, of list for me. It is, <sighs> but you are now being named. I, you trust me. I did my Google stalking of you, Jerry. Like yeah, it, it, the articles are very interesting as you are really making an impact. It, it's nice. I would take it as a, uh, as a compliment and you, well, you've got yeah, still plenty of time star. to go. <laughs> yeah, maybe give me another 20 years. Maybe I'll get close to that list, but that's quite a list. So, but uh, no, it's great to do this. I'm happy to chat. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, maybe it's a list and you say 20 years. You got into the, you got into this late, not late, but you had a full career. You were teaching, you were doing a lot of stuff before you actually took the leap of faith and kind of said, I need to follow this and pursue this now or else I'll never do it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's never really an age to start anything, but I know that 30 is not an age people recommend deciding you want to be a comedian. So I, uh, I probably didn't have much more, much more time before I, you know, dug into it because I, I don't know if I would have tried it if I waited another day, to be honest. But you did. And I think we're incredibly grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm grateful too. I mean, it's, you know, it's something that I think uh, it's a good message. You know, you'll often hear people think of, you know, they don't like their job. No, I liked my job, but they'll think of, 
Oh man, I wish I was a guitar player or a singer or a dancer or an athlete or whatever. Make you know, I'm such a good cook. I wish I pursued that. And they just keep thinking it's not attainable. So I'm, you know, I'm a I'm an example that it is attainable. And it, I don't know, it's uh, it's something I always encourage people to do if you have an urge or a passion that you are afraid to do. Um, I promise you do it because you'll, you'll, you'll be glad you did it. Even if it doesn't work out, you'll at least be glad. Cause I was going to do stand up once. I just wanted to do one night and then say I did it. And then it just snowballed. It went so badly. I think I wanted to do it again. <clears throat> it takes quite a personality to be able to get up on a stage and have the pressure to make people laugh. Like it, it, that, yeah. it, just, it takes balls. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I almost left the room. I, I, I don't think there's something harder to do than walking onto a, a, a stage at a comedy club the very first night. I, I, I didn't realize later in life how many people struggle with public speaking. You know, I've met CEOs of companies. I've met politicians who have told me, man, I hate it. I'm like, I don't sleep the night before. And I'm like, really? Like you? And um, it's not something people enjoy. And I, I never was afraid of that part of it. But then to do it and they have to laugh every few seconds or whatever, that's, that's a lot of pressure. So I don't think there's, there's a lot of things harder to do, um, you know, but it's hard to explain what harder is. Like going into a fire as a firefighter to rescue a human is much harder. So, but, but hard as far as getting the courage to go up on stage. Yeah, it was hard. I think you talk a lot about the courage and I, and I think I really wanted you as a, as a guest just because I started to see some of the material that you were, that you were putting out on social. And by the way, I've emceed thousands of events and I don't mind being on a stage talking with a thousand people. But the worst thing for me is when the organizer says to me, you know what, just go up and be funny. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You you hire you hire a comedian for that. You know, you, yeah. you've hired me to to make sure your event goes smoothly and to get the yeah. guest up and that like don't like don't ask me to be funny. Like Yeah, you know, I that's, agree. That's yeah. And there's nothing worse than a person that thinks they're funny. Not that you're not no, that goes I'm not up funny. and thinks they're they're funny at work and they're like, Oh, it's a whole different ball game, you know. Um you know, it is. It's a different but and I, it took me a while to I was always funny, but and I believe funny is innate. I don't think you can just go, you know what, I'm going to try to learn to be funny. I, I mean, it's just, it's your whole life you've learned to be funny. So, uh, but once I figured it out a bit, you know, it, it got easier, but it's never easy. It's, it's always, you know, like, cause, cause you know, you know, it's funny if they laugh. So when there's silence, you're like, well, that wasn't funny. That, that didn't work. And, and I have been here. laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear people laughing or enjoying or feeling uplifted by your posts, especially on Twitter, uh, as we've been dealing with a very massive shift in our lifestyles over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I know you have this background. I mean, and we know that you were a teacher and gosh, tons of your material comes from, you know, the life that you had as a teacher. But even watching your Twitter feeds with the kids at home, like, how are you coping? Like, how are you bringing this lightness to the situation? Uh, and feeling like there can be a sense of just making people smile and laugh based on the stuff you're doing. Well, I, you know, it's like you said at the top, laughter is the best medicine is a saying that a lot of people use. Uh, I don't know how true it is. I do know that I've received many comments or messages over the years of people that have struggled with many things and found, you know, laughter to help them through it. So that's always something I, I think is important, but I, I just, 
for me, this is, uh, you know, you can go two ways with this glass half full or glass half empty. And I've tried to go with the glass half full approach that this is a time where, you know, my daughter's almost a teenager. Um, you can, you know, anyone that has teenagers know they, they start to drift away a little bit and, that, and then you hear they come back, but I, I'm just taking this in as it's, these are memories I won't forget hanging out with the kids all day. Uh, don't get me wrong. I want it to end really soon. Cause it's, it's check with me in a week. It might change, but I'm trying to have fun with them. Um, I'm big on self-deprecation. I'm big on my kids being the same way. And uh, we're just, you know, I post a lot of stuff <laughs> at their expense. Uh, they always know. Uh, you know, I said to my daughter the other day, you know, we were talking. We're very close. She's 12. And I, I you know, I said, like, we, we, we talked a little bit about menstruation, which it's kind of different than what my dad and daughter would, my dad and sister would have ever talked about. And I said, you know, I hope I'm, I hope, I hope mom's with you when it happens the first time. I'm not going to lie to you. And she said, you hope mom's with me. And I said, but don't worry. I always carry around a tampon in case. And she looked at me like I was obviously joking, but she looked at me and then I said, and then I tweeted that and she, I, I showed her, she goes, yeah, you can post that. Like, we try to teach them to be able to laugh. And, uh, of course my dad texts me. He's like, take that off. That's disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, well, he's 87. I'm like, dad, it's not disgusting. It's, it's life. It's real. So, I think any dad of any teenage girls or young girls would probably appreciate that. They're dreading that, that day, that they're conversation. Dreading it. Right? Yeah, they are. I think it, yeah. And I think, I think if you can loosen it a little bit prior to it, because look, it, it happened to a friend of mine. So, I was like, oh my God, like I, I feel more for her. Um, didn't think we were going to get into the, the menstrual cycle today, but I guess I drifted us into that. But no, my point is that I just, I'm just trying to have fun myself here too. And I, a lot, a lot of my humor comes from what the kids do. Like today I posted just before this, a, a post on Twitter, my daughter's locked in a room doing online school. She's in grade seven. So they, they're, you know, she's got her door shut, which is typical of a teenager now. And, and yeah, you're about to tell me that there's a, there's room service at the yeah, door, aren't my you? My wife brought up lunch for, she said, I'm going to eat it upstairs because I'm online in class. And then she just opens the door, puts it on the floor and shuts the door like it's a hotel. So <laughs> I just found that funny. And, and, uh, you know, I joked with her later and, um, so I, I enjoy my kids a lot, I guess. So I don't. I, uh, I'm also very fortunate, and I saw a great tweet the other day that, you know, it was from a gentleman or a doctor in India that we're complaining about having to stay in our our, our three, four-bedroom houses with our food and our running water, and that's not the case for everybody. So I don't have a lot to complain about, um, and I would never want to come into this with that approach. I think we appreciate the humor. I think if you're looking at a lot of people's social media feeds, everyone is giving credit to the teachers, right? Now that we are having to homeschool or keep schedules yeah. or try to help our kids with their homework. I mean, I'm I'm lost. I got a grade nine and, you know, I cannot figure out her math. Like I just, I, I finished math. Grade five is when I graduated from helping her with math homework. You know, I think a lot of people are finding a new respect or an understanding of what it is. And I think this is something that you were probably 
very aware of is the lives of teachers and what you deal with and the shit you deal with with your kids. And I think some parents are realizing it's not the teacher that's the problem. It's their own kids that's yeah. the problem. Right? No, it is. Yeah. And it's a great, and I, you know, I'm always on board and on side with teachers cause I did it for so well for 10 years, which feels like but it's uh, very different to teach your kids, whether like my wife was a teacher and I was a teacher, but um, you know, you say shut up more when you teach your kids. Uh, there's, a, I hear that a lot. Shut up. Just listen and shut up. Like you can't say that in a classroom, but, uh, so that's fun to get to say shut up. Um, but it's, uh, it's not easy. There's a fight every day. I just teach phys ed to them and my wife handles all the academic subjects just to split it up equally. Yes, as you've been doing. And I've noticed there's been volleyball tournaments in your house. There's been golf yeah. simulator tournaments in the house. You, yeah. You know, you were, you taught phys ed. And I think you taught, was it hist, was it history? I what taught history and geography to start. And that's where the whole premise for Mr. D came. Because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was a phys ed guy through and through. And then I finally taught phys ed. So, yeah, we've had some, you know, I was, I was, look, I, when I first got any money in this business and I didn't grow up with money, uh, I bought a, bought a golf simulator. I got a deal on it from a guy and I was such an avid golfer and knew before my kids were born, I wanted them to take up golf. So it, uh, it, it's like a bit of a, a luxury item that I probably bought before I bought a car and we get a lot of use out of it. Thankfully, this is a great time to have a golf simulator. So um, with the golf and then we go out on the street, we do, uh, we do this beep test, which they don't love. It's this running back and forth, a 20 meter shuttle run that schools do. And, you know, my kids love competition and I do, and they love numbers and stats. So, and then we do the volleyball in the, in the living room, so to speak. And, um, yeah, but it, you know, I don't always want to play volleyball. That's the problem. And my son is seven and it's all he wants to do. So, um, you know, I'm I'm don't always enjoy that, but I do my best. Okay, but what I was going to mention though is that you actually don't let them win. I I think we're very no. similar. We don't give them always the credit of letting them win or participation badges or like we push them yeah. and <laughs> they're going to yeah. have to earn it that they can actually beat us at, at things. And I feel like watching your stuff, you're very similar. Well, to be honest, my daughter now beats me at golf. I like I I will try my hardest. She's gotten that good, and uh, I didn't see that coming so quickly because I'm a good golfer. But she wouldn't beat me on a course, but she beats me on this video game sim- simulation. Um, my ten year old daughter and my son, they're she's seven. Um, you know, I'll mix it up. I'll let the games be close, but I'll sometimes like if I want to win, I can win. Obviously, in these sports, because I'm better, but. I purposely try to win a lot of times to teach them because my son can be like a complete idiot when he loses. So I, you know, it's easier to just let him win because then he's happy, but I'm not teaching him anything. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, sometimes you got to lose. Life's more about losing. You know, I, I tell my kids, I heard no, you know, my kids are very fortunate. They didn't grow up like I did. They think this is real world. It's not, but I, I explained to them, I heard, a thousand no's and 10 yeses in my life in this business. And, you know, those 10 yeses, I was very lucky to hear, but the no's are mostly life is no's. It's no's, it's failure, it's no, it's strikeouts, it's that. You know, a good baseball player, the best baseball player in the world is is a 30% success rate. 
so that to me, that's, that's life, right? So, uh, yeah, we can, we can baby our kids. I, I don't love all the ribbons and you came 55th. Here's a ribbon. Like who cares? You came 55th. Like we're never talking about that. No, but you're talking about how people, how people can succeed. And I like this because we are so many of us getting so many no's. And you wrote this post and you, you even sent a request out, listen, to any kids out there, like send me your questions. What do you need to know? What would you like to know from someone who's probably experienced more no's than most people? You know, what was the, what was the message behind letting your life be a little bit more exposed or having people ask you these questions just to be able to guide them? Like you're sitting, as you mentioned, in your house, you're not on tour, you're not doing what you want to be doing and taking the time to answer people's questions about the life that you led or how they got there. Well, I think it's a, it's a couple of things. I was always raised by my parents. You know, my father was a bus driver. Uh, my, my, my mom was a, a stay at home mom and, a, and a, worked in a dental office a little bit uh, as an assistant. And, you know, we were always taught with about compassion and helping. And I always swore to myself, if I ever got to a level where, you know, I was considered a celebrity when I started this, whatever that is. Um, and there's a big difference between a Canadian celebrity and a celebrity, but uh, I would give back. And I, I think it's important. And a lot of celebrities do this. And I've learned from other celebrities and athletes who give back, especially to kids. So I always try to do something um, when it comes to me to help some kids. I realize when I'm out at my kids' sporting events that young kids are fans. They, they get excited to meet you sometimes. And it took me a while to, to understand that. Like, wow, like they, like, I, why do you want to meet me? And then once you realize, okay, then I learned, okay, well, this will excite them. So, yeah, it was fun. I FaceTimed a bunch of kids. Um, I called some up and coming comics who were actors and I got as many through as calls, called as many people as I could. And I probably still have some calls sitting in my, in my message okay. box that I just haven't got to. Can I ask you like, what were some of the questions? Like, what were they, what were they trying to figure out? What were they asking? You know, um, some of the older kids would, would say, how do you know, how do you know when, how do you know when, uh, uh, you know, when to give up, uh, when to not give up, um, how how do you you know some of them were very blanket statements like how do you make it how do you get an agent um you know how do i get more auditions uh i want to be a a dancer when i grow up uh, i'm 12 how do i do that and i would you know try to give as much information to them as i could but most of it was just telling them not to let others deter you from doing it because that's what i find most of society is most of society is a bit a bit apathetic, a bit lazy, uh, not a lot of ambition, and they just think stuff's going to happen. And Or the type of person to tell people, whether it's a sibling or a parent or a friend, that, like, do you know how hard that is? You're not going to be a dancer. Like, you know, I always try to tell them the opposite. Like, well, that's what everyone told me. And, you know, there's only one person I've ever known. You know, I always tell kids there's only – there's only one person I've ever known to do this. And I tell them we'll be the one person. So if there's one person, that's what I clung to was, you know, when I sat down and decided I want to be a comic and people asked me at agents or clubs, like, what do you want to do with this? You're 30. I said, I want to be, you know, I, and I use this term loosely. I said, I'd like to be like the next, like a, like a Jim Carrey level. And realizing that was stupid to say at the time, but in my mind, that's how how well I wanted to do not, it was, I wanted to do that well. And if anyone said to me, 
like the odds of that are one person, you know, the odds of getting a sitcom from all these comics, you know, is, is five people. Then I would think, well, go be one of those five. I wouldn't think, Oh, Oh, forget it then. Yeah. That sounds really hard. I would think, all right, there's five. Okay. Well, that's better than one. So it's kind of like speaking of Jim Carrey, it's kind of like, so you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) And I, I always looked at it that way. And I, really believe if you set your mind to anything and you just say, I'm not giving up till I get this, you'll get pretty far. I don't know how far you'll get, but you'll get pretty far, but you gotta be a good person. You gotta be smart business person. There's a whole bunch of, you know, and that all comes from my parents and my siblings and raising me as a, as a, as a, as a normal human. Uh, Cause they're not all normal in this business. And I always, I always had that part. That part was first, you know, manners, uh, trust, uh, honest, you know, some business skills, thank you emails after I did an event, like little things that maybe people take for granted, but I was never did because my mom and dad always preached the importance of appreciation. So I think I had that part well. I had the speaking skills and then I just had to figure it all out. So I had a bit going into it. You know, if you're not funny at all, if you can't play the drums, but you're 20 and you say, I want to be a drummer, in, in a, in a band like rush, I'm like, well, well now we're just getting stupid, right? Like there's gotta be a bit of something right. pulling you into it. That's just my opinion. Okay. So where are you in your teaching that you've got s- shit happening in the classroom and you're like, can you hold on a second? And then you're going back to your desk to write like a little, are you writing like little notes to yourself? Oh, like, did you ever was, see the future of where that was going to take no, you with the Mr. No. D? No. What happened was I just taught, myself the way I was. And I was teaching, well, five years into my teaching, I was uh, teaching an OAC class at the time, which would be grade 12, I guess. No, I it, would just, it would be grade 13, Jerry. Yeah, well, now it would be grade 13, but for the kids that, you know, anyone now, oh, yeah. you're grade 12, your last <laughs> yeah. year of high school, I was teaching a kinesiology course and I just entertained the kids, not on purpose, not like coming in with bits or jokes. It's just who I was, which is why I probably got into stand-up. And I just remember one kid, his name's Peter Tanev, and I, he's a teacher now, and, I, and we joke about this. He's like, hey, sir, you ever thought of stand-up? And I had thought of doing stand-up in 1992. Now, this was 1999 when he said it. But in 1992, I was at St. Effects University. I was working for Molson's in the summer, and I'd written down all these bits on paper with the, with the thought, maybe it'd be a comedian. Cause I was starting to get told I was really funny by people. And I, you know, you know, when you're kind of funny. And then I went into a Canadian tire, I bought a dictaphone and I taped all the bits into it. And then I never touched it for seven years. <laughs> so that's how long it took, you know, like I, I, and then I finally started waitering. I was working at the keg and I was waiting with a guy and he was doing amateur nights and he really, is the one that motivated me and pushed me to do it. Cause I had someone on me to do it. So I owe him a lot of thanks. We ended up falling out because it got really awkward for him when I was, you know, this is a problem with stand up. I was starting to get more stage time and it, I, I don't know if it, I don't know. I don't know if it bothered him or maybe I didn't handle it. Well, I have no idea, but he was the guy really that put it over the edge. So when I got up, and that support, as much as I don't talk to him, I still appreciate what he did. 
because without him nudging me, I would never have done it. And, uh, yeah. And I, so I would just go teach and then I'd go home. And then once I started stand up, I'm like, well, what do I, all I know is teaching. I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I just talked about teaching and everybody's had a teacher. So everybody could connect. And then I became this comic that was known as this teacher comic. And then I would start to slowly, but I'd never stop the class and go, hold on. Now, when I'd go home, if something funny happened, you know, like, for example, one of my first bits was a kid would ask, these kids would ask me questions in history. And I had no idea what the questions meant. I didn't even know what they meant. Not, not let alone what not they were. Let them the answer. Yeah. So then I would go home and I would look it up and then I would come in. But I, I started talking about that on stage and then it, turned into bits so i would go home i would when i would do stand-up i would start to think back to more of the the school stuff and then i got married and had kids and then my act drifted into that into the but, I, I still yeah. love can i still i still love the marking bits because you know yeah, you that's, look at yeah. from a teacher's perspective but as a kid gosh you, you you couldn't wait to see what the teacher thought about your your assignment and your writing yeah. and your and you're just yeah. like hell no I, i'm not looking yeah. at that and little do they know, we're we're passing them around to our buddies at a party, drunk, to, to get them marked. Yeah, I mean that's an exaggeration, but I think that's what made the show work too. Was that teachers thought about a lot of the things I did on the show, and and you know a lot of the things I did on Mr. D, I didn't do in real life, but you think about it, or you kind of did a version of it, and. Um, you know, there's a by the book teacher and there's a not by the book teacher, and I certainly was. The, was uh, the latter of the two, right? And uh, But a good teacher. I think I was a good teacher. I was very disciplined. As much as you think I would be joking and wearing clown hats all day, I was actually pretty strict. You know, uh, a lot of kids did not like me. Um, and, and that's a good thing, I think, as a teacher. Because if they all like you or they all hate you, I, think, I don't think you're doing a good job. I, I'm sure a lot of them, if you thought that, though, kind of would watch one of the shows over the eight seasons and go, yeah, that's exactly the guy. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say your character is very un The character that you created was very un-Canadian. And I'm looking at so much of what's happening around the world right now. Right. And we're very, you know, people assume like we're very polite and we kind of do the proper things and we say the right things. I got to <laughs> say that character was very like, kind of un-Canadian like does that well, make any sense? yeah I, I think that's a stereotype of Canadians like there's I know trust me I give you a lot of assholes that I've met um but uh it's it's I don't know it was a character that I kind of it was just a know-it-all character that you know uh I actually thought of this character probably in 2004 I was doing these bits on the score that I, like very few of them aired. And then I ended up doing another thing on the score, but very few of these bits aired, but it was this overconfident sports guy. And that's really all the character was. It was, you know, and then the office came out and I love that show. And I'm sure a lot of Steve Carell rubbed off on me because I was such a fan, but I already kind of had that concept from earlier. And then, you know, it was just, and then a lot of it was me in real life, just kind of, in an exaggerated form of um, just saying the wrong thing, but never really, you know, I guess the big premise of the show was when I started teaching, I thought kids are going to love me. I am so cool to them. I'm, I'm going to be like that teacher that kids are all begging to have. They're going to write yearbook comics about comments about me. I'm going to MC their weddings. I'm going to be, 
that's how I thought. And then the very first year, I gave the kids a, a blank sheet of paper. I said, don't write your name on this, but I want you to assess the year because it's very important for me to see what you thought of the year and, and for me to grow as a teacher. And, oh, my God, was I wrong. Like, they're like, the comments I got were terrible, like a lot of terrible comments. So it was a wake-up call. So that's kind of where the idea came from. Like, you think you're loved as a teacher yeah. and you're not. And then one kid, I remember I was trying to match his writing to an earlier assignment because I was trying to figure out who said because <laughs> I told him not to put their name on it. And uh, anyway, so that's when I realized, like, yeah, that was a character. I was a character in real life. <laughs> you've created a lot of different characters. There's been a lot of things that have happened and, and the growth that you've had. When people are sitting home right now, and I think they're listening to you or they're, they're we're very much living in a fear-based time, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of discomfort. How much of it is discomfort of taking yourself out of your comfort zone? So there's people right now whose jobs, um, they might not have the same job that they're going back to, but they've always had this dream. They've always had this passion. What what do you say or how? what's your outlook on this is the time right now to actually put some of those things into use? Into yeah, it is. Something. It, it, it is, but that's where the motivation comes from. And not everybody is motivated. And I was always very motivated. And it's just not everybody's cup of tea. I mean, it's it's uh, it's about being motivated. And it is a great time if you have had those ideas in your mind. Um, it's tough to not have money. Uh, it's a very different world, which I lived uh, most of my life without money. And, um, saw my parents live with, you know, my dad going to the gas station with empties to get 50 cents of gas to get him to work and back. And he wouldn't even get back. He said the, the tow truck driver, driver knew me by the time, because I, the tow trucks would always give me gas. They had a, you know, a little bit of gas. So I've seen it all. So it's very different when you don't have a, a job and it's harder to just go, oh, well, I've lost my job and I can't pay rent. I'm going to start working on my guitar. Like it's it's a little harder. But it is a time if you have other projects that you've always thought of. It's certainly if you want to look at the glass half full, there's a time to go. All right. Now I got no excuse. I'm going to, you know, whether it's a weight loss program or change your diet or uh, um, you know, play guitar, whatever it is that you've always said you're going to do, or just do a spring cleaning, like we've talked about for years. Um, now's the time to do it. And it just, it's hopefully it's, it, it's comes from within, but I do get the anxiety. I get the, the depression. I get all of the mental aspects of this too. And, you know, that's not just something you can say to someone. Uh, yeah, just think, you know, th there's, there's a lot of people that struggle with mental health and this is a time that that's not great for them. And I hope they're doing okay. And I hope they're finding ways to look for something positive because eventually this will, you know, should, should fix itself and we should be back to normal and hopefully that soon. What are you doing aside from just the kids? Like, what are you doing? On, I'm on trying to write. Want to yeah. Put, yeah. Um, I'm trying to write, uh, I'm trying to get in a little bit of shape, uh, cause I, I, you know, I always like to do more there. Um, but I've had projects in my mind that I've always wanted to put pen to paper. So I'm starting that process and doing the research on things and, um, just trying to be ready for when this comes back to normal. I'm working on my, you know, I had a stand up tour that we had to, we have to reschedule the date. So I'm going through that, rescheduling it. 
trying to figure out how we attack that. Uh, you know, when do we attack it? We don't want to go too soon. We don't want to go too late. Do we add more cities? Um, so I'm just trying to use this time. So I call it coming out of this. I want to come out of this ready for something. And I think that's the mistake people can make is, you know, we don't know how long this is going to last, but when we come out of it, be ready, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. if you got to find a new job, you can do a lot of things online still. So be ready for when this ends, because this could end, you know, soon if if we get a, a, a cure or a vaccine or which is unlikely right away, or this could end in a year, but be ready when it, when it ends and not go, Oh shoot, I could have done more. Um, but again, it's, you know, some people are struggling to find money for food. So it's very different for everybody. It really is. I just want to go just cause on the lighter side of you being ready, I know golf is like a massive part of your life. Yeah. I mean, you can tell when you, when you finally came into some money that the golf simulator was what purchased before a car or anything else. Um, you know, are you watching? Because Golf Channel is like on twenty four hours a day in my house with Tony. Yeah, and that was yeah. the connection to all of this. Yeah. So, are you following any of the Peloton stuff? Have you seen any of the Rory McIlroy and the the competition between all of them I, on the Peloton? I saw Rory doing something on it, but I also saw Jamal Myers. I follow the hockey guys too, doing something yeah. on it. I just I didn't follow through. I just assumed they were all just doing Peloton and yeah, maybe challenging someone. Um, but oh, yeah. I'm like, Tony, I'm like dying rocked. for golf. Yeah. I'm dying for golf. Yeah. I'm not a guy that can sit in the house for very long. Um, so I've been doing the odd run. I've, I've gone, you know, for walks, but even when you go for walks, like that's getting packed. So you're like, Hey, I better get back in cause it's too many people now. So obviously, you know, we're all worried about this. We don't know a lot about it other than it's very contagious and can be very deadly. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, like my daughter being a golfer, like that's now my, my new golf is her golf. I'm, you know, she's a very good golfer. Uh, she's starting to get interested in scholarships and schools and that's exciting. <sighs> oh, right? I got to talk exciting. to her about that. Yeah, absolutely. That? Cause I did, I was a gymnast. So I was <clears throat> oh, in the wow. States on the scholarship for gymnastics. Yeah. Okay. So let me talk to you about this golf for a second. Cause as I mentioned, so, um, so Tony, the kind of how all this came about, like Tony, and, and a lot of people here know my husband, Tony Harris, uh, he's been following you and always would, would come upstairs and show me some of your stuff and we'd be talking about things. But we were talking the other day when, when I was talking about getting you on the show and he's like, you've got to ask Jerry about the, like one of the best clutch golf shots that he's ever seen. So Tony, as I mentioned, watches Golf Channel 24-7 and has been doing it since like the invention of Golf Channel or anything. And and so he's seen every single play ever played in golf. He goes, the best shot I've ever seen was Jerry D, a clutch shot at the Rosedale. I think it might have been a Rosedale member guest about, yeah. I'm, I don't know, he's like eight, ten years Six ago. Years and ago, yeah. Was it about that? And here you are, like you were playing, was it with Pete? I think so. I got invited to uh, Rosedale, uh, which is a private club. A lot of these private clubs have a a member guest, and I got invited as a guest by a guy named Pete McCarthy, who is a bit of a a bit of a amateur legend around here. You know, really, really good. Uh, I've played with him in tournaments where he's just he's won the whole tournament. Like he's phenomenal. And I'm a decent golfer, uh, but this guy's another level. So he invites me to this tournament. It's two days. And I, I, you know, I don't know if I contribute one shot in two days. 
Like, why would I? It's either it's him or me. So he's just so much better. And I didn't realize I, you know, I didn't realize I haven't met Tony. I've only chatted with him and admired his work, but I, I've never met him. Didn't know he was there till now. And uh, unless he's mentioned it, but no. we get to this playoff and everyone. Okay, you're downplaying this, right? Like this, no, no, play, like this is these so, playoffs. Like you have to tell get, like people to get to yeah, this so playoff. Everybody like, lines up on the 18th green. There's a couple hundred guys and they're, uh, you know, so you pick one person to hit the approach shot. And of course, you know, we pick Pete because I've done nothing in two days. I just, he's just too good. And Pete gets up and he hits it close. And and then there's eight groups, I think. And then they eliminate, um, I forget, but they eliminate four. So then the next four go. And I go, go, you hit again. Like, you just keep hitting. And everybody starts chanting my name, Jerry, Jerry. And I'm like, no, like, this is like, we want to win, right? Like, why would I go? And so Pete's like, all right, you're up. And, and I got up and I hit it, I don't know, three feet from a hundred and I don't know, might've been a hundred yards. And, uh, yeah, that was the shot. The I mean, place, yeah, but that, okay. And then, you know, it was, it was just the way it all progressed and who I was with and he was the member and he was the club champion and here they were chanting my name and I got like, yeah, I've been in a lot of pressure golf situations. That was up there for sure. I, I think so. I Listen, the way Tony tells the story, and, and yeah. he'll, he'll kind of go a little bit, you know, like the chanting was pretty in-depth, like the yells coming. And, and he said, yeah. like, this was kind of like, I think maybe Mr. D was like in its first, maybe second year. Yeah, you know, we just were just getting known. Yeah. Right, you were just getting going. But he said it was your lead up before the shot. He's like you were you were putting on a show like you were stretching that. and you oh, were like maybe. doing it like you were playing up the crowd because at this point there was nothing really left to do. But he yeah. said it was the best shot he had ever seen. <laughs> well, clutch. thank you. I don't anyway, remember that, but I probably did. I probably yeah, played it up out of nervousness. And he said he, do that. yeah, he said it landed. He goes, I, he goes, I think within a foot. So you gave it a, a little bit more. Yeah, with it your was three. well, it was close. I can't remember, <laughs> but. Um, I would rather it have been like the masters or something, but it was yeah. still a big shot. But with that, like as a parent now, when you're watching yeah. your kids play Tough. sports, like how do you feel? Like, are you nervous? Like, is it? Yeah, it's worse. And because I think yeah. you are competitive, right? Like you're, you're coming from a, I haven't taught them that just a participation badge is good enough. Right. Like, so yeah, how are you on the side? Yeah, I'm not good. It's, uh, I've gotten better, but, uh, I like, you know, look, you're, you're a high level athlete yourself. It sounds like, and, and you, you've got to be competitive, uh, with competition, you know, there's, there's, there's frustration, there's anger. There's, you know, I, I, I see a lot of kids either like crying golf or I see a lot of kids and I'm sure you saw this any individual sport or I see kids with a temper and I realize you got to have something to release it. The anger, the, the, you know, the miss pot falling off the beam, whatever it is, you got to release it some way to expect a kid to just go, eh, Oh, well, like, I don't want that kid either. So my kid, uh, was not a crier. Uh, she's, you know, a bit of both, but more just that gritter teeth and, and upset and angry and, I like that. Right. So, but watching it is tough because you have to remember that, um, they're trying their best. And in an individual sport, as you would know, it's just them. There's no teammate to go up and go, Hey, good try. So it's gotta be you doing that. And if you're not doing that as a parent, that's a problem. And there's times when you don't, 
you know, I saw my daughter carelessly miss a one inch putt just because she was careless or two inch putt. Like I get mad because why are we driving all the way to this tournament and you're going to just be careless. So I try to balance it. I'm, I'm, she's getting older now where I'm not even really saying much. Uh, but we have our arguments. I don't know if you, your kids play sports. Oh, it's yeah. hard to teach them. Yeah. They're no it, adults, right? And it's, and it's hard to be a parent who's been through it and, you know, there, there's so many different sides. And then you look across the aisle or you across the field or across the rink to another set of parents. And we're all going through very yeah. similar emotions. What are you telling the kids right now? I mean, who are athletic, who want to be, as you mentioned, out playing volleyball, out on the golf course. Like, how are you keeping them motivated as so many parents are looking to do to try to keep kind of like this energy going so that they're not our, our kids, not alone, even ourselves, but our kids aren't following into depression or really missing out or kind of like not wanting to get out of bed at the beginning of the day either. Uh, my, my oldest daughter's getting more motivated. So she'll, uh, she'll go for a run with my wife or myself. She'll hit balls. Like I said, we're lucky to have that. The other two could sit on their iPad a lot. My son loves, I, you know, they, they've all been pretty good. I mean, it's, it's never, sometimes you got to stop and go, okay, what was I like at 12? Uh, or 10. Now we lived outside in our generation. It was very different, but the iPads, you know, you, you got to be cognizant that, okay, they've been on it for two hours right now. Like, cause it's so, but they're doing some homeschooling. Um, the, the athletic side is something I push way more than my wife, because I just know how important it is to have some interest. I've, I've chosen sports in my life. So, uh, but something when you're older, four times like this, like, you know, like I see friends singing and playing guitar online. I see friends uh, shooting pucks in a, you got to have something in life to, to interest you. Uh, you got to have something. And I, so I'm trying to find them something and my wife and I, that they'll gravitate towards. And I remember when Steve Nash got accepted in the basketball Hall of fame, one of the things in his speech was, I don't care what it is, but fall in love with something and just obsess about it. And I agree with them. I think you've got to find something that you love because that's that's what kind of carries you through life in a lot of ways, you know. And, um, you know, my kids are what I obsess about now. But before kids, it was golf and it was it was playing sports. And without that, I look back and go, what the hell would I have done in my days if I wasn't golfing or playing sports? I have no idea. I don't know what I would have done because I wasn't a book reader. I wasn't a guitar player. So find something that you love. So I'm just teaching them. And my daughter, I'm, you know, you know, as a high level athlete, it, it's hard for them to comprehend what it means to get a scholarship. Like they just think I'm going to get a scholarship. I'm like, okay, you could say it, but to do it is a whole nother ball game. So I'm trying to teach her, this is a good time to stay ahead because a lot of kids right now won't be practicing. They'll just sit around. So go the other way. And, you know, you're competing against, girls from all over the world not just your friend at the club that you beat once or lost to once so it's motivation motivation it's hard to motivate kids as we all know and yeah. you just keep trying well you're hoping that when they come out of this that you, they've created a little self-motivation i think we're all we're all vying a little bit for that right and yes and all different aspects of things that are happening. All right, because I know we, we're we're time, so I just have one last question. Like, yeah. once once we're not looking at the the horrific side of what this quarantine is going to be like, do you see at the end of this some material coming out of it as to what this world, what people, what families, relationships, marriages? I mean, 
that there is so much material on a daily yeah. basis of what we are going through to come out of this the other on the other side. Yeah, I got to think I'll, I'll write something like any comic will. Um, you just got to try to write something creative because, you know, it, it'll it'll be a it'll be a generic theme, I think, that you want to avoid as a comic. Um, but, you know, my wife and I get along very well. Uh, we we have done well through this. It's still early, but, um, you know, I, I I couldn't imagine being in a marriage that you're not happy and then you're stuck in a house. That would be tough. But marriage is tough, as we know anyway. So I think a lot of the jokes that will come out of it will be uh, – um, yeah, there'll be a time and a place for it. I haven't thought much about it because, uh, you know, I'm home a lot anyway right now. Um, I'm just not used to the four of them being here with me. So, you know, I'm kind of work the odd night as a stand up. And when family feuds on, I work a couple of days. So this is probably harder for them having me around. <laughs> <laughs> There's the adjustment, by the way, that chicken clip. What was, was it? The, that was that was some really good. So was your lipstick of uh, what's in grandma's purse. That one was really good too. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. referring. Yeah, and I'm referring to these because honestly, you you check out your 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 social media feeds. You've got some great content that's on there. I think for anyone that's looking to be inspired or just see how we're coping and how people are playing volleyball in their hallway or doing things to keep their kids active and spend the time together, uh, it's been great to see. And I am looking forward to seeing especially to now once this tour comes up and, and gets going again, I think Tony and I would love to be in the audience and kind of see I'm it in person for sure. for sure. Um, so where can people find you? Like where, once things yeah. get back up and rolling, like where, where can they go? Yeah, pretty much. If you go to jerrydcom all my tours, for those that we are rescheduling, the people that have tickets, that'll be listed soon enough when this dies down. And then I'll add some new dates. Um, hopefully family feud is back. That's been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep plugging away at everything. But thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Okay, when was it? Would you put your own family on Family Feud? No. <laughs> no, because that's just a chance for them to say stuff about me. Why do we want that? Well, if, well, I think people would probably love that one. <laughs> Jerry, one thank, you, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for the time. Thank stay you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. I will for sure. And uh, I'll have that uh, information where people can check it out and be able to find uh, more details on where you can find Jerry D live and all of his future projects. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks so much Thank for listening guys. to another episode of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.